last, the last couple weeks, if you notice, maybe even two months, and my Rebbe once taught me that it's a very important thing for Jewish people <coughs> to know Jewish history, but not, not, I mean, knowing political history is always important and always good. It's always good to know political history. But history of, like, the people. And when you learn the thoughts of the people, you get a feeling about who they were. You get an idea in a different way. You know, so the last couple weeks, we learned one, one, one night we learned about Rabbi Akiva, one night we learned about Rabbi Tar, Rabbi Tarfon, different people. Rabbi Tarfon was the one who who would put his hands underneath his mother while no. she was walking. <laughs> We're learning about different people. So tonight I want to learn two Gemaras about Rabbi Shimon Bar Yechai. See, when we think of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yechai, we think of the Zohar, right? We think of Lagba Omer. We think of the song Bar Yechoi. Bar Yechoi. Right? That's what we think about. Rabbi Akiva was a, uh, a was the Rebbe of Rabbi Bar Yechoi. Hey. And I just felt, I was just in the mood tonight to learn some Gemara's Rabbi Bar Yechoi. But to understand the first Gemara, which is in Brachas, I, I just have to explain something, because it's an obvious thought. I'm just curious, is any food coming tonight or not yeah. tonight? Okay. That, so I'm, I'm learning tonight two Gemaras about Shem Bar Yechoi. Probably, I, the first one, I mean, I, I think it's very likely that everybody here knows both of these Gemaras, likely. But if, if yes, <coughs> it's still worthwhile discussing. And if not, okay, so then we're going to learn something new. Now, here's the thing. When we look at the world itself, you must be tired. But I appreciate you coming. You know, you're going you're gonna to laugh when I tell you what I'm learning right now. The Gemara about Shem Bar-Yechai, about what we were learning this past week, last Shabbos, I just, I don't know what we were talking about, and I showed my good friend Zishi, the Gemara that we're going to be learning about, which is about Harvey Oster Shimon below also Biyodam. So here's the deal: when we look at the world today, we have to remember where we are. Okay, the world today is totally different than the world before World War II, and we are still suffering, or either suffering, or you could look the other way and saying. Um, we are living a lot of the responses to World War II. I'll give you an example. After World War II, the Lubavitcher Rebbe, who, by the way, lost, he, he had lost a sister in the Holocaust, and he really did not focus, he didn't talk about the Holocaust. He felt that it's time to go on. He wanted to move forward. So the UJA had a, uh, they had a plan that they were trying to make a program that everybody should have one empty chair at the Seder for the purpose of remembering the one and a half million children who were killed by the Nazis in the Machshimov in World War II. So they went to the Rebbe and they asked the Rebbe to sign the, docu- the document, the proclamation. The Rebbe said, no, 
I don't want to have an empty chair. I wanted to have another Jew at that table. That was his idea. That was his, to me, that, like that one little story says the whole thing about him. He was the one who took, now, the concept of having shlichen all over the world was not a new concept in Hasidism, but he brought it to a new, to a new level. So that now if you go to Kathmandu, or you go even to places like Buffalo, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about Buffalo, but uh, you, wherever you go, there's Chabad houses all over the place, <coughs> right? There are more Chabad houses now than when the Rebbe was alive. So it took off. It took off. So the world where today when you're going to Utah and there's a Chabad house, or you want to go, to, I've never been to the Orient, but if you go, let's say, to, to Asia and you go to China and you have, you have food and minyanum all over the place, right? That's a new phenomenon. That didn't exist didn't exist. <coughs> I heard, I never saw it inside, but I heard that the Satmar Rebbe said that the Nazis killed six million, so we have to create six million. That's what I heard he said. And therefore we get married young, and we have big families to repopulate. Again, I don't know if that's accurate, but that's what I heard. There wasn't a time period Think of the world during the period of 1938 to 1945. There was basically almost no Torah in the world being learned. There was almost no Torah. The Gemara says that there will be a time when there is no Torah in the world, being learned in the world. And Rabbi Shimba Yechai said it can't be. It can't be. Because there's a Pasuk that says that it will always be Torah. Rabbi Zelig Epstein said that when they were, the Havamina that the Gemara was talking about, that there could be a time when there is no Torah was the period between 1938 and 1945. Think about it. America, how many yeshivas were there in America? There was Tor there was Lubavitch, there was um, YU, there was RJJ, there was, um, I think one more, Lower East Side, uh, what's it called, Lower East Side, uh, but most of the MTJ. I think that was it. There might have been one or two other ones. But that, they were, America was a desolate world. And then, as far as Torah was concerned, until after World War II, go to Europe. <laughs> Europe, there was no Torah being learned. There would be anything going on. Okay? And Israel was barely Israel. And they were also going through their own you know, difficulty over there comes post-World War II, and that's what I want to talk about in this Gemara. Post-World War II, Ravarin Cutler says that the world is desolate of Torah right now. The Nazis killed out all the leaders. Anybody of age died. We have to, we have to rebuild Torah learning. That's what we need to do. And therefore he came up with the idea of Kolo. Kolo didn't exist pre-World War II. There were a few people in every community. There was one or two, whatever the numbers were. But nothing like we think of it today. It didn't exist. This is a post-World War II phenomenon where people are not working and rather they're learning both in Israel and in the United States. So with that in mind, we're going to learn the Gemara, which talks about the idea of working and learning. Okay? So, anybody want to have a Gemara with you? It's on page Lamed, Hey Amid Bays, in case 
It's not the printed one. It's in the Gorilla days. Um, I'm sorry, Lamed Hay, Amud Beis. Yes. Has there, has there ever been a time in history there was absolutely no learning? I know the Pirkei says the world stands on three things. So in a sense, obviously not. Sure there was some there was, learning. There was, some there was always some learning because the world would cease to exist. Right. But we're talking about about all the rabbis, all the leaders, all the teachers. They were decimated. So how is it going to re? How is there going to be a rebuilding of Judaism? That's what he was worried about. So you have different tzaddikim that were trying to respond to the Holocaust in different ways. Their neshamas were bringing them to different places. So you have, let's say, so to speak, the Satma or others that were saying, we're going to rebuild it that way. And then you have Chabad, which is saying we're going to stop that Holocaust from happening. And then you have Ravarin and others that were said, you know, we have to rebuild, and we're going to create this new thing called a kolal system, you know? But it's important to see this Gemara, I think. You agree? So we're going to learn it now. Okay, so listen to this Gemara. Tanarabana, it's, you know where it is? It's, um, here. Let me see. It's the, the last, the last of the small lines. I'm actually cutting right in the middle of the Gemara because I want to have time to go to the second Gemara also. Tanarabana, the rabbis learned. There's a verse that it says in the Shema, in the Torah, which means you should gather in your, your food. You should gather your food. Now the Torah, Hashem doesn't write words that are not necessary. Does the Torah have to say, you should go to the ATM to get cash? Why not? doesn't say it. Why not? Why does Because there were no ATMs. Okay, so forget that. <laughs> forget about the fact there were no ATMs. So it, does it say, and you should always have money with you? No. Why not? Because it's a just it's an understandable phenomenon. You need to have, or it doesn't say, and you should eat. It says you should eat and you should bench. But it just uh, it doesn't say just you should eat, because that's a human need. So the Gemara is asking. It says in the verse, you should gather in your crops. Well, of course you're gonna gather your crops. You want to eat, right? You want to go to the store and get your apples, right? You have a whole field. You've been planting all winter long, all fall. You know, I'm sorry, all summer, spring long, and that now the corn is growing and everything is going properly. So. Of course you're going to gather in the crops. Why does it have to say that? There's no reason to say something which is so obvious. There's no reason for it. It doesn't say you, you should eat. It doesn't say and you should go to the bathroom. It doesn't say that. Right? It, does, it doesn't, because these are obvious things. So the Gemara says, you know why? My Talmud Lomar. So what does it have to say for? There's a reason. There's a reason why the Torah says, and you should gather in your crops. The Gemara says, you know why? Levisha and Amar, because there's a verse in Yoshua, in the prophet, that says, Lo yomu sefer Torah picha. It says in the verse that you should, that Yoshua said, you should not allow the Torah to cease from your mouth. You should <coughs> speak Torah all day long. There's a verse, that the words of the Torah should never leave your mouth. 
right? So, yachol devar kichsavan. You might think it means literally that you're not allowed to, you're not allowed to work. You might li- think literally that the Jew's obligation, every Jew's obligation, from the time they wake up in the morning until the time they go to sleep, is to, they should have their tefillin on and whatever, but that, hey guys, it's good to have you here. You may, might think that the obligation is to sit and learn Torah only. And that's it, right? And how are you going to live? That's not your business. Your obligation is to learn Torah. Because it says that the words of the Torah should never leave your mouth. Talmud Lomar. Therefore, the verse says, You should gather your crops. You got to live like a normal human human being. That's what Rabbi Shmuel says. Okay, let's review what that means. Are you allowed to stop learning? Are you allowed to stop learning? I work for eight hours a day, so yes. No, so you're looking at it post-facto, which is, we know that that's an approach, which we're going to see. But how do you know you're allowed to do that? I, I've certainly been in yeshivas where, they, where there's an attitude that you're not allowed to stop learning, and you should be learning all day and all night. Got to tell me, you guys never were, you were never in a yeshiva when the attitude was that you should be learning day and night? You never heard that idea before? This is so far. Did you ever hear that? I think we've all heard that idea. So you might think that that's correct because it says in the verse that the words of the Torah should never leave your mouth. So comes Rabbi Yishmael. Rabbi Yishmael says, no, no. There's another verse that says, go gather your crops, which means you got to live like a normal human being. You have to work six hours a day, like my good friend Azriel, or other people. You got to work hard. You have to make a living. You have to go shopping. You can't expect that the mun is going to come out of the sky. And if you think that the mun is going to come out of the sky, then you're going to be in for a very big surprise when Con Ed cuts the electricity. <laughs> You're going to be in for a very big surprise when, you know, I was just dealing with a couple who's like, they're married for four months and he doesn't work. <laughs> now, she's working. You can cut this off if you want. So right now, she's working. She gets pregnant. What's going to be? Who knows? Maybe, 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 I don't know. Maybe the fairy godmother, godfather, will, will, will bring in an American Express black card and drop it in. And all of a sudden, every week, I don't know, maybe Chase will just, you know, send them $10,000 a week, just, uh, you know, whatever. But maybe not. Maybe not. He's in for a big surprise. Very big surprise, but he doesn't hear it because he thinks that he's entitled. So this Gemara is saying, you could try to be entitled, but you can't. You have to act like a regular person. You've got to live the way of the land, which means working and learning. So you're going to say, so what happened with that Pasuk? 
it does say that you have to have Torah has to be in your mouth day and night. So the Gemara and Brachas tells us what that means is that you have to learn Torah every day and every night. And the minimum requirement is to say Shema in the morning and Shema at night. And if you say Shema in the morning and you say Shema at night, then you fulfilled your minimum obligation of learning Torah. Everything else is gravy. You should try to have great look at me. Do you think that I'm happy with minimum anything? I am not a minimalist. I don't live in a tiny house. You know those little tiny houses? You know what I'm talking about, the tiny houses? Anybody watch TV in this place? Yeah. Okay, for those people that don't know what a television is, a television is a box, or you can watch it on a computer. That you guys know. So you can watch it. There's a thing called a tiny house. There are people who downsize. They don't call it downsizing. They call it minimal living. You mean a hut? No, it's, no, it's like they call it, it's a craziness. But the bottom line is, I'm not a minimalist. I like big things. And therefore, I try to learn as much as I can. But the minimum is Shema in the morning, Shema at night. Okay, so that's the opinion of Rabbi Yishmael. Now let's go to the next person who disagrees entirely. That's Rabbi Shem Bar Yechai. Rabbi Shem Bar Yechai is on a different place altogether. Yeah. We'll learn the Gemara about Rabbi Shem Baruchai. He's, a, I mean, he's the author with, through Hashem, of course, of the Zohar. You don't expect him not to be. I mean, you know, it's Rabbi Shem Baruchai. So he says, listen to what he says. Rabbi Shem Ben Yechai Omer. He asks a very simple question. If a guy is going to, we're dealing with an agricultural environment right now. Okay, so you can translate this into any profession that you're in, but we're dealing in an agricultural world. So in that world, if there's a guy and he's spending his time going and plowing, and he's planting the seeds at the time when you're supposed to plant seeds, and he reaps, he, 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 he cuts the plants off, when it's time to go and, and cut the plants, Vidash Bishas Disha, Vizora Bizasaruach, and he does everything that you're supposed to do in agriculture, Torah Mateulaha. Hey, when are you gonna learn? If you're gonna be spending all day long working, then how the heck are you gonna be able to learn your vomits by heart? Okay? Now there are some people. I know two of them. Who happened to that? They're, they're, they, I don't know. They're, they're doing this new set of learning called Vishinantam, I think it's called. What's it called? Viharavna. No, it's not Viharavna. Huh? Zichru, yeah. That they, they, I don't know how they do it, but there's memory skills that they're like learning it all by heart. But the bottom line is if you're going to be working all day long in finance, I was a lumberjack when I was 20 years, so 21 and 20, 21 years old. And I got to tell you, it's heavy. Trees are very heavy. And when you're done work in physical labor, you, it's really hard to think. It's hard to do anything. And if a person is working all day long being an actuary, I'd rather be a lumberjack than an actuary, seriously. I, I'd rather be a plumber. I'd rather work in a sewer than be an actuary. I think that the 
I think the world would rather me work in a sewer than an actuary because I would mess everything up. I can't look doing that. Bottom line is, if you do it all day long, how are you going to go and learn shots? It's, it's not, how, do you, how do you do that? So that's what he says. If you're going to be, see, Yishmael is saying, you got to work, you got to live, you got to be like a regular human being. Rabbi Shimbar Yechoi is saying, hey, if I do that, I'm not going to end up knowing anything. We're not going to have anybody, you know, that knows anything because we're all going to be stymied with our learning two hours a day at most. And we're not going to get any there, anywhere. So therefore, he said that what should we do? You know what happens when Shem Bayechai says? That when the Jews are doing what's right, then we'll be taken care of. God will have somebody else do the work, and we will be able to devote ourselves <coughs> to learning, which is what happens during the time period of Mashiach. But that's what he said. He said, if we're just good as a nation, you don't have to worry about it. The non-Jews will take care of everything. They'll be taking care of the agricultural situation. All the, you know, all the wheat will be grown in the Ukraine and in Russia, and in the West, Midwest, right? And we'll be just sitting and just learning Torah. And he brings a verse for that. So that's what he says. That's what he says. Amr Abayah, listen to these words. Abayah said, Harbe Asu There were a lot of people. A lot of people went with the approach of Rabbi Yishmael, which is everybody in this room. Everybody in this room is working, trying to find time to learn. We're here right now. We're trying to find time to learn. But at the end of the day, we are working. We are following the verse that says, you should gather in your crop. That is an obligation that Rabbi Yishmael says we have to follow. And the Gemara says, we also be and they were successful. Because this is the way that the world was set up. That the average person, an average person means everybody today. That's, that's what we're supposed to do. And it was successful. Remember the purpose, Vince Lombardi once said, very important, you know Vince Lombardi once? Well, it's good, people know Vince Lombardi. Football. Okay. He was named after the trophy. Right? He was named after the trophy. <laughs> he was named after the trophy. So Vince Lombardi said, winning is not the most important thing. It's the only thing. That's what he said. And Rabbi Yishmael is saying that the purpose is to win, to make the whole world full of Torah. The only way that a human being can be a normal person, I gotta tell you, when I'm in it, I'm not saying that we don't overdo it with drinking Perrier water from France. Now, do I really need to drink Perrier water from France? Well, that's a question. You know, am I just a fine schmecker? Is that what this is? Or do I just that's like, you, Rabbi. I know, that's me, baby. Is it that? Is it that I just like the taste? Do I want anybody to think that this is what I do? I don't know. But really, could Shell we just drink water? Time. No, I bought it. I like this flavor. <laughs> but, but do, I mean, like, you know, where's that line? Maybe, maybe, maybe in America, maybe we're overdoing it and we should spend more time with less. Could be. 
could be. But when you see sometimes, when you see children whose parents, there's not a penny in the house. So then I can tell you as a Rebbe that very often people who are Rebbeim, if they, if they can't, if the kids don't have ice cream or whatever, then the kids resent. They resent the Torah because they feel as though they were deprived. And that's a terrible, terrible thing. A terrible thing. If you want to be living past the you want to live the style of you know of, of total uh, the lack of the opposite of hedonism is yeah being aesthetic if that's see he's a doctor <laughs> he knows these big words you know so if that's what you want to do that's your business but the purpose when you're having a child or children what you're trying to do is in, 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 in bed and, and have your children love Torah. And when the child feels as though he has nothing at all, then they feel as though the Torah was stolen, that the Torah stole their Gashmis. That's really bad. So Rabbi Shmuel is saying that, I'm sorry, Rabbi said a lot of people went through the path of Rabbi Yishmael and they were good Jews and the world continued nicely. But to Rabbi Shimon ben Yochai, there were a lot of people that tried the Shimon ben Yochai approach, which is no working, just taking money from everybody as a handout because you have to learn. And maybe in reality, in, in an absolute sense, they're right because we should be learning all day. But you know what? They were wrong. But they'll also be on them. It didn't work. You could be dead right, and you can be wrong. That's the way it works sometimes in business or in life, in relationships. Nobody here has ever had a fight with their wife. I'm sure nobody ever had a fight. And for the single people, husbands and wives never fight. They never, ever, never have a fight, never bicker, never. No such thing. You never had a fight with her. Never. I, never. It's just an artifact. We make it up. What we do is we put on shows because we want our children to think that life is like a TV show where people fight. But it really, there's no fights whatsoever, you know. It's just for everyone else to see. It's for everybody else to see. So the truth of the matter is that you can be 1,000% right, but you're wrong when your wife says you're wrong. And you have to back off on it. Even if you're right, you gotta back off. Even though even though you could rationalize and you're saying to yourself, This is crazy. What you're telling me is crazy. It doesn't matter. Now that doesn't mean every time you have to give in. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that the Gemara is telling us that Shimbari Khoi was right in his perspective, but for the world it's not. The world can't live that way. We don't live in a world where everybody is in the Shevet of Levi. You know, there, there were 12 Shvatim, 12 different tribes. And each tribe had a different purpose. And each tribe had a different area. And they had different jobs, you know. There were the people like Zavulun who were the longshoremen. They were longshoremen. They were in the boats. Very, very different type of job than the people who were you know, living and doing agriculture and the, next to the Mount Hermon in the northeastern part of Israel. Very different. Different personalities. The land makes you different. 
the food makes you, everything is different, you know? So we just have to remember that when we look at the world today, that does not mean that I'm anti-cola. That's not what I was saying. We're not anti-cola. But we have to understand that this was not the way that it was, it was prior to World War II. And we're just getting closer to Mashiach, where there is more Torah in the world. That's Gemara number one. Anybody have any feelings? What does Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai do with that first puzzle? He, he says, we are Satan he feels that that's a bidyevet. It's bidyevet. Bidyevet. If you if if the, if the Jewish people would only be able to be better, then we would never have to work. And Rabbi Shmuel is saying, no, this is the way. Like it says in the pasuk in Bereshis, sheishes yamim tavod, for six days you should work. You should do all your work. So when it says is that permission? Meaning for six days you're allowed to work and Shabbos is the day which is rest for Hashem. Is that how you learn it? Or do you learn it six days you should be working. Now let me just tell you for again uh, I know it's hard to understand but men basically like to pick their toes and do nothing all day. I, I mean, that's what we like doing. Maybe not picking our toes. We like to sit. I like milkshakes and I like ice cream. So we would like to sit back and watch Netflix. I just watched the Netflix about what happens in the world's largest airport. Did you see that one? It's very interesting. It's an hour about the workings of airports. It's fascinating. So I could just sit and watch that all day. You know, I wouldn't do anything. I would just have all the food come in. I'd leave everything on the table. I'm not cleaning up nothing, right? You think my wife is going to do that? They can't. They can't sit. They can't. They can't just let the dirt pile up. And, and you know, I could I could do that? You know. So, so we have to be careful. This Torah is telling us you got to work. Work is good. You know. So the question is, what are you working as? Are you working in learning? Are you working on? You know, in business, that's a, that's a whole discussion why man was created. But you got to work. You can't just sit back. And we're watching an entitled world. That's, what, that's what's going on right now. When you look at the world, uh, you're a psychologist. You deal with this. Then everybody's not entitled. I'm, I'm dealing with a kid right now, fighting right now. He's fighting with his parents. Because his parents, he, he, he's 17. He just told us that he totaled his car. It was his fault. He knows it was his fault. He 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 hit a car a uh, a a tow truck. You can't win if you hit a tow truck. There's <laughs> nothing to talk about. In Lawrence, he 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 smashed into a tow truck, destroyed his car, and uh, his parents don't want to buy him a new car. It's shocking. Seventeen years old. They don't want to buy him a new car. They're willing to give him an Uber account. No, he wants a car. Entitled because it can't work. They don't work. There's no work ethic. Bad. It's bad. You need a work ethic. So I think that that's a shot that when Shimbai Choy, you know, it's a there's a bidiyevet. But then again, we always have to know that bidiyevet becomes l'chatchila when you use l'chatchila. You know, the Gemara, the whole Gemara is not supposed to be. This is Torah Shabbat. Doesn't look Balpeh to me, right? Doesn't look Balpeh. 
it's written down. Because it says in the Pasuk, there's a time you have to do for Hashem, because your Torah is going to be destroyed, because it's going to cease, because you have to do something which seems contrary to the Torah. So therefore there was a prohibition of writing the oral law down. Rabbi Udanasi said, we can't do this anymore. We can't do it anymore. We just can't. We have to write it down. We got to work. The chatchil would be nice, according to Rabbi Shem It'd be nice if we'd be able to sit and learn all day. You know? How many people here sit on the palm trees? How many people here have ever had the, I mean, in the last, in the last 10 years, have had the menuchas hanefesh of not having to look at bills, not having this, this, this life intruder, you know, on your head all day, sitting in some really comfortable. I like the ocean. I like oceans, and I like, and I like mountains. So sitting in an ocean, right outside, nobody around, and being able to take out a rambam and just sit there and learn, with no disturbance, no distraction. For, 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 for a whole day, forget about a year, just for a day with really, with a Coke that's so cold, it's borderlining on frozen, you know, when it's just at that slushy point, you know, how many times, when do you get that? We don't get that. We're sitting here, and every second is like, like you're half in your phone, and every your boss is calling, your wife is calling, your kids are crying. That, that's where we live. It's not L'Chadchila, but L'Chadchila, B'Dieva becomes L'Chadchila. That's what this Gemara tells us. Anybody else have any But what if the money, the, the money that you're making, is going to yeshiva tuition? That's good. So it, it's going, or it's going to the shul, you're getting... If it's all going to Torah values, does that is that still b'diavet? No, You're basically... this is b'diavet because we're following Rabbi Yeshua, who right. holds the chadchila. This is the right thing. So I'm saying the other way. Would you he want still to see Rabbi Shimba Yechai? Would, would he, he hold still hold this b'diavet? If I'm using all the money, Yeshua tuition to live in a Jewish neighborhood because you know you can live in a non-Jewish neighborhood much cheaper. Right. Really? I didn't know that. I, yeah. thought that. I don't know. I just thought that Hicksville was cheaper than, than, than Queens. So food is... It was more expensive. No, if you're buying even kosher food. No, I know. I know. I know the difference in prices. Right. So, <laughs> so, so I'm saying it, just to be an, an Orthodox Jew costs a lot of money. So would it still be Bidievet according to him if all this money is going to just do That's this? That's a good question. According to the Baal Shem Tov, there's no question that you're doing everything perfect, right? According to the Baal Shem Tov, for sure. I don't know. I think it's still Rav Shem felt that Torah Mateila, you know, very nice. You say you're, you're supporting the yeshiva system. You're supporting everything. I don't know if I'm right, though, because Rav Shem is going to hold that the Iker... You know, the Iker Mitzvah of Talmud Torah, where do you learn the Mitzvah of Talmud Torah? Where, where do you learn the obligation to learn Torah? It's from the Pasuk of Vishinantam Libanecha, right? Vishinantam Libanecha, you should teach your children. And the Gemara learns from that, that since you have to teach your children, you have to know, because you can't know if you don't teach. Which would therefore mean, and this is why the Rambam holds, 
that if there's a choice between you learning Torah and your child, right, when your child is young enough that he couldn't do it on his own, your obligation is on the child. See, once your child is old enough, let's say he's 16 years old, and now we're not talking about today really because school today is not just for learning, it's also to give a certain way of life. But actually it's the same thing. It's the idea of education. So, I mean, I, I assume Rabbi Shem would have to say that, that's, that, that the child's learning comes first. And therefore, everything that you're saying has to do with the child. I don't know. I don't know. It's a good kashish. Uh, Zushi, you have any ideas? I think Rabbi Shimon was next level. I think Rabbi Shimon was Zohar level. And for him, breathing and living Torah was the only way to do life. Yeah. So his perception was, was to take this to a next level that we can't probably even comprehend, even for people who are learning full time. So his no, aspect, for sure. his yeah, aspect was you have to breathe and learn. It also seems like he's saying, this right. is what you should be this doing. This is what you should be doing, because for him... Well, that's what he just says, this is how, the, how this is what you should be doing. And Abaya <coughs> is coming out a little later, Abaya lived later, and Abaya is saying, you got to know, people tried that approach, and it didn't work. I, I think that there's another... As hey, what, was, what was Rishim's thought on, you know, what Yi was talking about, about like, yeah. had a... Hey, you have to be able to survive. You have to be able to live. I think that's well, more that's the I think that's more the Abai approach. Rav exactly. Shimon was, was on the level of that money is going to come from heaven. Listen, where you right. know the Gemara I was going to do, which you don't have time, was that Rav Shimon Baruchai runs away to a cave, right? Mm-hmm. He runs away to Miron from the Romans, right? What did he eat for the twelve years that he was there? What did he do for the Gashmias? He hides in a cave. Miraculously, the Gemara says, which we'll learn next week, a little river comes out, a little a stream comes out for the water, and a carob tree. I don't know how people eat carob to begin with, but but okay, you know. Or you throw the delicious. You remember that? Too much fun. You remember that? <laughs> but you could break your teeth like a dentist's dream. <laughs> but the bottom line is, he lived that. He that's what he lived, you know. So. I mean, well, he wasn't just talking. But I think there's an underlying issue here, which I just thought about. You know the famous story of Reb Zusha? You know the famous story. Reb Zusha was, when he was about to die, the great Hasidic master, Reb Zusha, was crying. And they asked him, Rebbe, what are you crying for? He was, he was such a great sad, he can't be afraid of death, he was so great. So Reb Zusha said that when Hashem says to me, Reb Zusha, why wouldn't you like Moshe Rabbeinu? I said, what's it Moshe Rabbeinu? When they say, Rebzusha, why wouldn't you like Avram Avinu? What's it other than But when Hashem says, Rebzusha, why weren't you Rebzusha? What am I going to say? I have no answer to that, right? Because you have to be who you are. I think that that's an underlying point over here. you got to be who you are. You have to know who you are. When Abayah said over here, Harbi Osu but also Yadam, those people knew who they were. You know, they they okay, I'm a worker, I have to have a bank account, I have to have clothes for my children. It is without a doubt a, a holy endeavor for me to work, and I'm not going to have them starve, and I'm not going to make believe I am who I am not. That that's what I think that I, I just that's it speaks to me in that way because we all have to be careful about that because we all have to make sure that we are who we are.
and not faking out and thinking we are who we are not. Imagine I decided tomorrow I'm going to go to uh, a printer and I'm going to, you could do this. I had, as a, as a kid, I went in Connecticut to a dentist. My parents didn't know. Everybody in the shul went to this one Jewish dentist. Everybody thought he was a dentist. He wasn't a dentist. He was a faker. The guy was a faker. He went, he made a, he made a, uh, what do they call it? A, a, uh, a license. Yeah. Why did you go to dental school? Yeah, I'm saying, uh, you know, how do we know? I don't know. I entrust my teeth to you. How do I know that you're a dentist? Because you have a piece of paper on the I don't know anything. Because you have to trust, you got to be who you are. So, that's the Gemara over here. So we'll stop now, because I can't start the next Gemara. Unless anybody...